holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another Arse Blog Arsecast. Coming up on this week's show, I talk about Arsenal's new CEO with somebody who knows quite a bit about the man. Gilberto Silver from Gunner Blog is here. We've got a scarf to win and more. Stay tuned. So welcome to another Arsecast. After what has been a rather eventful week uh, for Arsenal Football Club, lots of stuff has happened, which is, I suppose, the very definition of eventful. Some of it good, some of it bad. Um, so, yeah, we've got plenty to get through. We'll try and get through that uh, between now and the end of the show. As I said, I'll be chatting to Gilberto Silver from Gunner Blog about uh, some of the stuff that's happened domestically, and we'll be looking ahead to the Chelsea game with him. I'll also be chatting to a man called Glenn Davis. Uh, who's a writer for the Houston Chronicle, and he does a, a podcast and a radio show on 790 AM Houston called The Soccer Hour, uh, all about uh, our new CEO, Ivan Gazidis. Uh, he obviously knows a, a bit more about him than any of us do, uh, so we'll get his thoughts on our new CEO a little bit later on in the show. As well as that, Amari Bishop P.I. will be here. Uh, the penis of William Gallus will be making an appearance, and uh, I will be announcing the winner of the Savile Rogue Scarf, something I neglected to do last week uh, because the arse cast was a bit funny and everything was a bit miserable, uh, and we were all overtaken by that Gallus thing. Uh, so I'll announce the winner from a couple of weeks ago, and I will give you uh, a chance to win a scarf for next week as well. So plenty to get through. So... Uh, last week, uh, we discussed with the man from East Lower all about what Gallus had said, and uh, it had just broken, really, at that stage, and it wasn't too clever saying all that in public, and obviously there's been a huge amount of fallout uh, ever since. Um, Gallus was stripped of the captaincy, as I think was absolutely right, uh, and we have a new captain, and it was, for me, the guy who should have been made captain in the summer, and that's uh, Cesc Fabregas. Uh, Gallas is playing in the team. He played against Kiev on Tuesday night. I think had we not had as many injuries as we do have at the moment, I'm not sure he would have. But the manager is nothing if not pragmatic, uh, and he knows that he needs uh, experienced players in the squad. Um, he seemed to do all right against Kiev. One slight mistake apart it was quite a big mistake, uh, but luckily it didn't come to anything. Uh, but I suppose it's... Uh, it's a situation that's uh, difficult for any player to deal with. You're the captain of the club one day, and the next you're quite publicly um, having it taken off you and quite rightly criticised by pretty much all and sundry. But he made his bed, and uh, he pretty much has to lie in it until January at the earliest, if not next summer. Uh, but let's not focus on the bad side of things. Um at least for a couple of moments, we've got a new captain in Cesc Fabregas, 21 years of age. And to me, 
it's a it's a better choice. It should have been made in the summer, as I said. Cesc uh, has a connection with Arsenal that I think probably any captain of a club should have a connection with the club. Gallas came in and took over from Henri. Uh, wasn't really there long enough. His first season was stop starty with injury. He come from Chelsea, and it's a quite a bit of baggage to carry with you, that coming from Chelsea thing. Whereas Cesc came into the side uh, at 17 years of age, not made his debut at 16, but sort of started to establish himself at 17 with players like Vieira in the team, Bergkamp, Perez, Henri, Keown, uh, guys that have been at the club and who had had the the Arsenalness of Arsenal uh, passed on to them. So these are guys that they might have been foreign guys, but Vieira was there with Tony Adams. He was captained by Tony Adams and took over from Tony Adams. So he knew uh, what the job entailed. And he knew uh, the way, let's say, a real captain uh, should lead his team and behave, etc., etc. Whereas Gallas came in and it was a risk by the manager uh, to give him that captaincy because he wanted to maybe uh, give him a bit more responsibility and try and... I don't know exactly why what he was trying to do, but there you go. Uh, whereas Cesc has this connection to Arsenal, uh, and I think that's important. Uh, he's a young guy, obviously. It's a lot to ask, and I think we're probably going to have to be patient. But for me, he was the only person who could have been given the armband uh, when it was taken away from Gallas. There was nobody else. Uh, I don't... Uh, except for one second that it's some kind of a a thing to make him stay in the summer. I think Cesc has always been committed to Arsenal. Uh, we've given him a lot of responsibility now, and I think uh, it's only right that the club looks at their own responsibilities towards the team, towards a player like Cesc Fabregas, who comes along once in a lifetime, really. Let's face it, you don't get a player as good as he is too often. And when you get them, you need to make sure that you get the best out of them. And that means probably uh, bringing in new players, uh, more experienced players, more quality uh, into the side. And we've been down that road uh, time and time again, but that's just the way uh, I feel about it, that we've got to now, having given him that responsibility, show him that we're serious uh, about giving him uh, the best tools uh, at his disposal to lead Arsenal Football Club. And I don't think that's an unreasonable thing. Uh, for any of us to want and to hope for Sesk uh, in the years to come. So good luck to him, uh, uh, Captain Sesk. It sounds good, doesn't it? Captain Fabregas. I like it. Uh, so there you go. Now, that all came sort of on the back of uh, a terrible game last uh, Saturday against Manchester City, where obviously a fairly shell-shocked Arsenal team, having uh, been through all the gala stuff, Callas dropped from the side, etc., etc. Uh, of course, missing some players. Uh, but I think the weakness of our squad was was well and truly exposed. Uh, Manchester City won 3-0. Arsene Wenger thought that score was a bit flattering to them. I have to say, I thought it was a bit flattering to us. Because City could have had at least two or three more. It was a fairly dismal performance. Definitely a dismal result. Our fifth league defeat of the season so far. And everybody's miserable, of course. It's only natural, isn't it? Your football team loses. We got a bit of a lift, though, with the appointment of Cesc as captain. And then the game against uh, Dynamo Kiev in, in midweek on Tuesday. A win is a win. 
when you're struggling like we are, you'll take a 1-0 against a team like Dynamo Kiev, who are well-organized defensively. Uh, Nicholas Bentner, uh, he hasn't really, uh, hasn't really done a lot in the previous games. A lot of that maybe is down to the, uh, to the service that he's getting or not getting. Also, I think we tend to forget, given how young our team is, he's still only 20, which for our team seems not that young, really, does it? But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it is still very young, and he's still a fairly inexperienced kind of a player. Uh, so maybe the, uh, the expectations we put on some of the players as well are, are a bit too high. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But anyway, he scored the goal in his pink boots, which are, let's face it, utterly ridiculous. They're silly. Pink boots are just silly. No call for them whatsoever. But when they slam in the winning goal, with only five minutes left, yeah, I don't really care what color boots he's wearing. I do up until that point, but after, yeah, yeah, for a few minutes, I can forget the pink boots when he scores. So we've qualified for the final uh, 16 of the Champions League. Whether we finish top of the group remains to be seen. That's down to the game against Porto in Porto uh, in about two weeks' time. So a little bit of light at the end of uh, at the end of a tunnel. Well, I'm hoping it's the end of a tunnel. Definitely a little bit of light. Whether it's the end of the tunnel or it's just kind of a crack in the middle of the tunnel, uh, we don't know yet, do we? No. Anyway, to chat a little bit more uh, about what's gone on in the last week uh, and about Gallas and the way it was all handled and uh, looking ahead to the Chelsea game, it's uh, time to welcome Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com. Hello there. Hello there. Uh, now, um, since the last Arscast, a lot of stuff has happened. Um, mm. Some of it good stuff, some of it not so good stuff. Uh, last Friday, William Gallas went off on one and had the captaincy taken away from him and was dropped from the squad for the Manchester City game, which we subsequently lost. I'm not so sure we would have you know, won the game if Gallas had been there, so I don't know that that's a point. The manager, how do you think he's ha- handled the Gallas situation, specifically the Gallas thing? We'll come to Sesc in a minute. Uh, I think he didn't have a choice as regards to the captaincy. I think that you know the the pressure had mounted to the point where there was only one possible outcome, and that was that Gallas had to be removed as a captain. Um, as regarding Gallas's position in the team, I'm a little bit surprised actually that he was that he was brought back into the side as quickly as he was. However, few players we have, and I do feel that his his future at the club is still very, very, very much in doubt. Uh, you know his his confidence alone must be, uh, you know, for, even for a man as arrogant as him, at an all-time low. And it's hard to see how he can continue in the side, having been uh, the subject of you know such a sort of public rebuking. In a way, I can understand the practicality of having him in the side. Um, you know, if you sure. had any choice, I don't think he would have. But when you don't have Ibue for right back, Colo for right back, uh, and you're looking at maybe playing Song. In, in central defence and you need Song in midfield and needing Song in midfield is a whole different bucket of phlegm altogether but we won't go there um, yeah I mean uh, the, the the point is I suppose that Gallas I don't think his, uh, his long term future is at the club we've seen it before somebody pointed out during the week you know Wenger played Ashley Cole and Saul Campbell in the Champions League final knowing that you know both of them were going to be gone from the club uh, that particular summer what do you make of suggestions I, th- I read something by Emmanuel Petit saying that uh, Gallas was a victim of a witch hunt by the English media simply because he was French. I think that, obviously, is, is, a, is a bit ridiculous, though it's funny, you know, that the French presence in the side is, is as high as it's ever been. I think against Man U, we were the first team to ever field uh, a premiership side, which was six, six players, of which were French. I think it's 
you know, it's more than half the side. Mm. Um, but I don't think that his nationality has got anything to do with it. I do think, obviously, that the press, uh, you know, they smelt blood with Gallas uh, after the Birmingham game. And his weakness was obvious. And it became something that, you know, I don't think it was as big a problem as some pundits uh, made it out to be. But it, that punditry in itself added pressure and created this kind of air of crisis around the side, uh, which made essentially his position untenable. And uh, for that reason, you know, he had to go. But him being French, I think, is entirely irrelevant, really. Mm, uh, and he didn't exactly make it difficult for them to have a go, did he? No, he didn't. He didn't. And I, you know, that's not an attempt to excuse him at all. But I think that is possibly... I mean, in some ways, I feel that that's uh, the straw that broke Arsene's back was, was the degree of media clamour. Like, I know he's his own man, but it got to the point where every single game, I think, would have become about, uh, you know, the spats on the pitch. You know, were the Arsenal players getting on? Were they communicating effectively? You know, was there any, this question of leadership, which he seems so frustrated by. He doesn't subscribe to the, the view that the press seems to have about having a, you know, a dominant leader, which seems bizarre for a man who's had Tony Adams and Patrick Vieira in his sides in the past. Mm. Um, you know, it's one of those things with Arsene, one never knows if it's his actual opinion or uh, something that he's saying, you know, to cover up for the fact that there is not an obvious leader within the squad. Yeah, um, Pardon? I was just going to say that's a very good point, yeah. I mean, the, is he saying that because he doesn't have that leader? If he had a Tony Adams, if he had a Patrick Vieira, an inspirational figure within the team, I don't think he'd be saying that. I think I think you're probably right, and I think that something that really is true is that you can criticise Arsene for quite a few things at the moment, but you cannot really criticise him for what he comes out and says in the press, because I do not believe that it ever really reflects his true opinion. Mm, all right, well, we have a new captain, uh, and a popular choice of captain. Uh, I wanted him to be made captain during the summer. I think he's the only one uh, in the team who was who the outstanding candidate, as uh, somebody who can lead by example, um, by the way he plays. He's so important to us. He's probably the best player in the team. Uh, of course, he's struggling for his own form a, a little bit at the moment, but uh, being the captain of Arsenal at 21 years of age must be an incredibly proud thing for Cesc Fabregas. Yeah, I think it's. I think it must be. I mean, he he captained uh, Spain on the 17 side, and uh, one of the Barcelona youth sides. So it's you know it's, it's not something that's entirely new to him. But to be a captain of a club of this size at such a young age uh, is indicative of the amazing progress that he's made. And I think that it speaks volumes about his character that Arsene trusts him with such a position. Um, but I do think that you know his form hasn't been the best this season. However, he he is you know still our best player comfortably and I think it was I think you said on your blog you know no other player in the squad could have provided a pass like the one for Nicholas Bentner that won the game against Kiev and uh, we we're heavily reliant on him even more so now Um, and I hope I just hope he gets the necessary support and the team around him that he needs to bring success to this club. All right when you're talking about necessary support uh, do you mean that uh, the obvious, shall we say, dressing room conflicts uh, or the clashes of personality are sorted out or uh, that uh, the manager needs to provide better players for him to do his job as captain and as a player more effectively or, or both, perhaps? Well, I think I think you're right. I think it's both. Um, you know, I, I think a big part of Seth's job 
is uh, to be a kind of social fulcrum and kind of get everybody on the same page, which clearly is something that is not the case, which isn't a problem when your side is successful, but when morale is low and you're suffering defeats, the likes of you know Stoke and Villa and City and all these teams, uh, it's important that everybody pulls together. And as captain, I think he's better equipped to do that than, say, William Gallas, who, by his age alone, is quite separated from you know the majority of the group uh, but I also mean that you know I was at the stadium on Tuesday night and I looked at the team and granted there are a hell of a lot of injuries at the moment uh, I think it's something like nine first team players out but I thought you know I don't think this is Hi this is Rachel Fisher and this is Desi Jenikin and we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast we're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC Plus, where every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern and iconic family classics, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. And with new series, episodes, movies, and fresh content arriving every week, AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Sesk's Arsenal, as Sesk would have it, I don't think, I think he deserves a better calibre of player around him uh, in various areas of the side, and, you know, I hope he gets that. All right, yeah, I don't think you're alone there either. Well, um, Kiev on on Tuesday night, uh, after a miserable couple of weeks, uh, was a win, and it qualified us for the, uh, from the final stages of the Champions League. I don't think anybody was going to be jumping over rooftops at the performance or, or anything like that, but I suppose when things are going so badly uh, that you have to take every little, uh, every little positive where you can get it. Yeah, exactly, and you know we've qualified for the, uh, for the next round now, which is more than you can say for some English clubs, which is good. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't an easy group on paper. I think a few difficult trips you know, to uh, Fenerbahce and Kiev, places like that. Uh, and we've, you know, we've come away from it and it gives us an opportunity to rest players in the next game, which might prove invaluable in a difficult period of the season. Um, I mean, the main thing you hope is that just the result in itself restores a bit of confidence ahead of what, whatever, you know, problems they may be having, what will be an incredibly difficult game uh, at Chelsea on Sunday. All right, yeah, well, that that's the next point, isn't it? Chelsea... Uh... Uh, maybe they're not playing as well as they were earlier in the season, but you just look through the side and they've got serious quality uh, all in all areas of the pitch. Uh, in Anelka, they've got a, a striker in probably the best form he's ever been in since since he left Arsenal, and he's going to be, I think, a real danger. Yeah, I, I watched Chelsea's game last night, and uh, his finish for the goal, as much as it pains me to say, it was really excellent. It was the sign of a, you know someone playing with real belief and confidence and. Uh, you know, in some ways we should take heart because it's, you know, Didier Drogba is not available and he's caused us so many problems in the past. Uh, unfortunately, just at the moment when he's not available, Anelka has come into form. Uh, so, you know, there's no, there's in some ways, 
what could be more painful than Didier Drogba scoring against you? Well, Nicholas Nelka scoring yeah. against you. Um, I think it's a really tough game. I, I've seen a fair bit of Chelsea this season, and I think they are the strongest side I've seen in the league, stronger than Liverpool and Man United. Uh, however, their results against the big teams have not been so good. They they lost to Liverpool. They drew with United in two previous home games. So the signs are that if we can put a big performance together, and that does remain a big if, you know, there's an outside chance of us taking something there. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not going to ask you to call it or give any kind of prediction because uh, it'd just be jinxing or too much pressure. I think. I think it's just too difficult as well with this team. You just have no idea, really. This is very true. All right, Gilberto Silva from GunnerBlog.com. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers to Gilberto Silva from GunnerBlog.com. We'll have some team news ahead of the Chelsea game coming up uh, towards the end of the podcast. Now, though, I'm a not too happy person or thing or appendage. Uh, well, whatever it is, it's it's not happy. Hello. I am the penis of William Gallas. This week you are finding me a little bit sad, somewhat droopy. That is because, my friends, I have been cut down in my prime. Just because I said a few things about the young penises. They are so sensitive. Everybody's so sensitive. Oh, you can't say these things in public. I say poof to all of you. So now they have taken away my pride and joy. My shiny red helmet with the letter C for captain on it. It is gone. It is no more. I am the circumcised penis of William Gallas. The next time I take a shot on goal and it goes agonizingly wide because I just do not have enough foreskin to put the ball in the bottom corner, I hope you will be happy then. Poor old penis of William Gallas. Uh, he's going to get a hard time on uh, Sunday as well, isn't he? Going back to Stamford Bridge. Revelations in his autobiography about uh, how Chelsea undervalued him and they wouldn't pay him what he was worth and... The sticky got from Chelsea fans. Untimely, I think you'd say this autobiography was. It does, you know, beg the question why they don't just wait till they're finished playing to release their books. Because then you can go, that bloke, he was a wanker. And him, he was a cunt. And when I was playing for this team, I thought they were a big pack of pricks. And the fans, I thought, oh, they're idiots. You can say what you want when you're finished playing. But when you're still playing, I just don't get it. It surely can't be for any monetary reason, can it? And I don't know. Did William Gallas have a burning desire to tell his story? Were the words inside him eating him up, bursting to get out? Was he unable to quench his literary urges for just a few years more? I don't know. It is strange. Anyway, more on the Chelsea game coming up, as well as your chance to win. A wonderful... Red and white cashmere Savile Rogue scarf. And I'll give you the winner of the scarf that I failed to give you on last week's show. Now, uh, it's been a long time coming, but Arsenal have appointed a new CEO. It happened in midweek. A guy called Ivan Gazidis uh, will come from the MLS on January 1st to take up his new role. Ivan who? 
Exactly. I didn't know anything about him. Never heard of him. But uh, somebody who did is a man called Glenn Davis. Uh, he's a football writer for the Houston Chronicle, and he uh, presents a radio show and a podcast for Houston 790 AM called The Soccer Hour, and he's here to tell us a little bit more about our new chief executive officer. Hi, Glenn. Thanks for having me in again. Uh, now, Arsenal have appointed a new CEO. He's taking over on the 1st of January. His name is uh, Ivan Gazidis. Uh, you would know an awful lot about him, certainly much more than we would, because he's been an integral part of the MLS uh, for the last number of years. And um, Give us a bit of background on him. You know, Ivan Gazidis has, for 14 years, been a very big part of moving Major League Soccer forward here in the United States. And remember, it was almost like a relaunch of, of, of a professional league after... You know, numerous other leagues had had failed. So th- this was a very critical period that he's been a part of the growth of Major League Soccer and has is, is helped, uh, I think, through his understanding of the sport globally, I think has been very important to uh, the front office of Major League Soccer. Um, I think he's a guy that uh, looks at both sides of all types of issues, um, had a real passion to see the sport grow here in the, in the U.S., and I think in the end, it's, it's it's going to be quite a loss for Major League Soccer, and they're going to really have to figure out who's going to fill the shoes of this man. Because if you remember, Major League Soccer has a sort of a centralized setup where every player is signed by the league. Mm. Well, Gazidis has been very big in in uh, you know signing players and 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 overseeing the contracts um, of all the players in the league. So uh, this is going to be a big loss. And uh, right now, I'm uh, at a little standstill as to who's going to actually be able to fill the role of, of his efforts in MLS. Is it going to be difficult for him to move from a situation, because in, in the MLS you have this salary cap where uh, you know players can only be paid X amount. How difficult do you think it's going to be for him to cope with uh, a completely different system in terms of wages where there is no such thing as a salary cap and pretty much every player is looking to get as much as he can uh, as often as he can? Yeah, that's going to be real interesting, the transition, and I'm sure there's going to be some learning curve in there somewhere, but this is a pretty intelligent guy. Um, you know, he, he was four years old. He moved to England. He went to Oxford. Um, he's got a master's degree in law, and you know, I, he, he's a pretty quick study, I think. Um, now, is there going to be a learning curve coming over to a club as big as Arsenal and in the biggest uh, you know, domestic league in the world? I, I would say... Yes. Now, the question is, is you know, what is his job description and what are going to be his areas of expertise? That, that's one thing I'd like to know. What, I mean, in, in terms of what he does day-to-day or has been doing day-to-day with the MLS, is it more administrative? Obviously, you talk about him doing um, stuff with player contracts, but is he uh, a businessman? Uh, do we have that sort of angle with MLS? Because it's, it doesn't seem to be the same uh, profit-making thing as, as we have uh, with football in England. Remember, it's it's a growing league in a country that's got three traditional sports. So everybody's fighting for sponsorship. Every, everybody's fighting for the entertainment dollars of people in the United States. Everybody's trying to make their mark on the landscape. And, and soccer certainly has had some tremendous growth, has, a, has the highest ceiling, I think, of all sports in this country. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things that we sometimes forget outside the borders of the U.S. is, you know, how incredibly competitive it is over here when you've, you know, you've got so many traditional sports and, of course, lifestyle and entertainment that also uh, takes people in different directions and youth in different directions. Hmm. But uh, he's worn a lot of different hats. I think he is the real, quote-unquote, soccer mind in the office who gets it, in the MLS office that gets 
soccer in, in the global perspective, whereas the commissioner, Don Garber, I think is more focused on expansion and, and the business side of it. I think Gazidis leans a little bit more, not that he's not a good businessman, but he's the guy that's you know been involved with creating competitions and the rules of competitions, contracts, players, uh, all that type of thing. All right. And what do we know about him as as a man away from his job in the MLS? Is he a serious guy? Is he a fun guy? I don't know what sort of dealings you might have had with him. Um, what do we know about him? No, I've, I've interviewed him on a number of occasions. He's, he's, uh, he's articulate. He's uh, very focused, I think, very serious. Uh, not a guy that you know won't have a have a laugh once in a while, but he he seems to be a pretty focused, driven man uh, during the interviews I had with him. Uh, yeah, I don't know him intimately, but I certainly know him from the perspective of 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 the league and you know his care and concern and passion for the sport and the growth over here, which I all think is very positive. All right, uh, Glenn, we better leave it there. But thanks very much for your insight. Hey, anytime. Thank you very much for having me on the program. So, interesting stuff about our new CEO. He starts work on January 1st. Now, uh, we've got a scarf to win and news on the Chelsea game after this. I was sitting there looking at where my little toenail used to be and where the blood was starting when the young guy walked into the office. He was tall and blonde. He looked like poor cross with Benny from ABBA. What do you want, I said. I'm not having a good day. You're not having a good day, he said. I ain't having a good life. What the hell could be wrong with you, I said. Is your toenail gone? Did you pick your little toenail off and eat it? No, he said. It's just the guys in work that give me a hard time. I need you to find out why. You want me to go to your work and find out why those guys are slagging you off? Is that what it is? Yeah, he said. That's exactly what it is. Tell you what, I said, how about I save us both some time and use some money? That sounds good, he said. Okay, I said, here you go. Look down, kid. What's that, he said? Look, you're wearing pink shoes. What do you expect? You're lucky I don't shoot you dead myself. More from Amari Bishop P.I. on an Arscast in the future. Now we've got Chelsea coming up on Sunday... Um, uh, yeah, it's a bit scary, kind of, because we're not in the best of form. Uh, we've got a lot of players out missing. There is talk of some of them coming back, though. Nazri, Adibayor, and Sanya could all be back, which would be, uh, which would be good. Let's face it. Uh, we need those guys, and we need everybody to uh, play very, very well on uh, Sunday. Uh, we need the kind of performance we put in against Manchester United. Uh, and uh, I suppose we need to keep our fingers crossed. Chelsea are a bit lethal at the moment. And Elka too. That's uh, always a pain in the ass facing one of your old strikers. But when, when they're in good form, it puts you just that little bit more on edge. So come on, Gallus. Redeem yourself. Have the game of your life. Kick an Elka's head in. In the 92nd minute or 94th minute. Uh, but we are going to have to play well defensively, and uh, yeah, well, hopefully we can we can nick a goal and and hang on to it. So that's Sunday, isn't it? Yes, uh, it's going to be uh, tough. So it is. Uh, but hopefully, fingers crossed. Come on, Arsenal. Come on. Right. Uh, the scarf 
the Savile Rug scarf that was given away on the Arscast previous to this. I asked you uh, which Simpson played for Arsenal in the 1970-71 double season. It was, of course, Peter Simpson. And the winner is James Conliffe. So well done to you, James. I'll be in touch to get your details. And uh, you will soon have a uh, cashmere Savile Rogue scarf for your very own. Now, if you'd like to win one this week, all you have to do is answer the very simple following question. Uh, who scored Arsenal's goal in the Chelsea versus Arsenal fixture last season? So who scored for us at Stamford Bridge last season? Answers to arscast at arsblog.com. That's arscast at arsblog.com. And I'll give you the answer on next week's show. So that's just about it. Fingers crossed all goes well at the weekend. Uh, You have yourselves a very good weekend too. Uh, I'll talk to you, of course, on the blog and on next week's Arscast. Until then, take it easy. Bye-bye. If you're looking for love, then you need sexymatchmakers.com. We've got something for everybody. Boys looking for girls. Girls looking for boys. Boys looking for boys. Girls looking for girls. Couples looking for boys or girls for extra party swing time. Midget lesbians looking for boxing-fisted Spaniards. Blind hunchback boys looking for one-armed Australian surf girls. Girls with vestigial tails looking for boys with naturally forked tongues. There's something for everybody at sexymatchmakers.com. Except for people with pink boots. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.